Welcome to For the Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an injector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week, we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Hello. We're doing For the Record this week live and in living color right here. And we have a fantastic guest. So if you guys know me, I love to talk about business and leadership and innovation. And we have brought you literally the best of the best, and maybe the whole world, to uh, your stage oh. <laughs> today. If there was a such thing as a hashtag girl crush, honey, I've got one. Um, we're here with Maria Carell, who, as we said, is the CEO of Revision and Goodyear Cosmetics. And she's been the CEO of many things. She's been on boards. She's really been leading our industry from other countries and from the U.S. for many, many years, acquiring, building, growing brands, doing some really phenomenal things, leading companies to new frontiers, which she has done at Revision and has had an incredible run there. So we're going to dive into all things leadership today and Maria's perspective and really give you guys some insight into how she's become this incredible powerhouse leader. So you want to get started? Thank you. That's a a very humbling (laughs) introduction, I have to say. Uh, Thank you so much. And I also need to give this back to Tiffany. She's a powerhouse. I'm very honored to be on, on stage with you today. Well, I appreciate it. So a little bit of my background, and I may start with a funny accent because I'm from Sweden, so it's Swinglish, and I have some of my colleagues here in the room, and they know how I describe. So I moved to the States 10 years ago, and at the time, I, <clears throat> our kids were three and five, so, so small. Didn't speak a word of English, and I was a little nervous. We put them in preschool, and I was like, how would they communicate? They don't know a single word. And everybody told me, well, after a month they will start communicating. After three, they're basically going to be fluent. And after four, they're going to start complaining about your embarrassing accent. And that absolutely happened. And they're still giving me a really hard time. So if you don't understand, raise your hand, and I will ask Tiffany to translate to English. I think it's beautiful. Ah. (laughs) I'm a redneck, and so yours is much better than mine. But I want to sort of dive into leadership things and your perspective. And so we have a plan, but we're going to change the plan. So you have led a lot of companies, and you've done a lot of incredible things. Take us back to how you started this whole journey and really decided that this is going to be your passion to lead and grow and build things, because that's a big decision to make early on. Well, to start to say, it wasn't a decision. I didn't really have a specific plan. But one thing that I think, going back to what I've done, is always follow my passion. And sometimes it sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. If you don't like what you do, don't do it. Don't do it. I think we need to get up in the morning and be truly excited about what we do. We need to feel that we are bringing value. We need to feel that it's meaningful. And if that is not happening, I've actually left jobs. I left environments where, on paper, it looked fantastic, but I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it in my heart. And that's the best guiding principle. Follow that. So I think the passion is number one. And then I've been asked a lot, so a little bit more background. Grew up in Sweden, I lived in France, uh, Spain, now I'm living in the US. And the common theme has been healthcare and a lot of skincare. I'm absolutely fascinated by the skin. I worked in pharmaceuticals in other industries like cardiovascular, respiratory, 
And I felt that the skin is our biggest organ, and it's also sometimes an, something that is almost forgotten or looked upon as not as important as the other things. Honestly, it's our armor. It's our armor for the world, and we need to take care of it. So the reason why I'm so passionate about revision, and we'll get back to that, our mission as a company is to make skin more healthy and beautiful, because we all know a healthy skin is beautiful. But it actually goes beyond so much more than the skin, because a healthy skin makes you healthy. <clears throat> and I think we sometimes forget about the bigger picture uh, when it comes to uh, what we all do on a daily basis to contribute to this. It's actually life-saving, and it's what protects us from everything out in the world. So I think that's been a, a passion of mine uh, throughout everything I've done. But I think I've, I got the questions many times. So how did you do what you did and, and take on these challenges? And, and where did the courage come from? And I, I, I'm not a very courageous person, I have to say that. But I think it starts... You will hear some cliches, but actually, the cliches are cliches for a reason. They, they mean something. It all starts in your head. So I, I'll ask you this. You know, if, if you envision that you can, it sets you up for success. It just does. If you think that you cannot, you drive towards that. So, and the brain is built that way. So if I ask you, do not think about the pink elephant. How many in this room doesn't have a pink elephant on your mind right now? You have to, it starts with envisioning what you can do. But then you have these nasty little voices in your head. I can't, I don't know, I'm not sure about it. And they come to me all the time. Of course, we'll question ourselves. But I have a few things that I picked up from other people that I, I stole and copied with pride. <laughs> that I, I asked them, so what's your secret? Because I was very hard on myself when I grew up. I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted to be good at school, I wanted to be good at sports, and I really made it difficult for myself. And I was told over and over again, Maria, perfection is the enemy of the good. And it sounded right, but I just couldn't really embrace it. It, it was hard for me to connect with that saying, until I started looking at people that looked so comfortable in their skin, it's like, what are they doing? And it took me a few years until I actually dared to ask. So it's like, okay, what is your secret? Why do you just walk in and look so comfortable? Because I have all these little voices in my head questioning everything. And I found a few things that were common, and I think they, since then they've been my mantra. They never focused on what could go wrong. Of course, everybody thinks what can go wrong. You start a business. You, you building a conference like this. I can imagine that you've been thinking through like X, Y, Z, you know, everything can go wrong. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about what can go wrong, but it was never a driver. For these people, that wasn't the driver, what could go wrong. It was more what could go right. And then you need to figure out what could go wrong. So it, again, it was, it was a mindset. So the more people I interviewed, the same theme came back. It's about putting the right mind to it and embrace failures. So we have all failed. I think we all fail. And instead of just being hard on yourself, it's like, oh my God, this, this is horrible. What can you learn and how can you get perspectives? So another thing I got, very, very good advice that I think have, it has helped me throughout my entire life, was I took myself so seriously. You know, if I did something wrong, I was beating myself up and I was dwelling on it. 
for weeks, for, for months. And someone told me, well, what if you do this? What you now did that you weren't happy with, does it matter tomorrow? Like, yeah, probably. Does it matter in a week? Mm, in a month? In a year? In 10 years? And when I ran that little exercise through my head, if we think about things we beat ourselves up for and dwell on, very few even pass a month. Pass a year? No. And, and 10 years, those are the life decisions we make that have completely different, you know, starting a family, getting a pet, uh, move to a different part of the world. Those are big, but everything else in the big scheme of things, they don't matter as much. So that helped me to not get stuck in what could go wrong and instead focus on what could go right. And that's the common theme. That is the common theme. That's a huge lesson because I have a very guilty conscience, the same. I think about things forever. I'm always worried about failure and letting people down. So for me, that's a great lesson. I've already learned something here. But I think about that with your team. So I talked to one of your employees, um, Brett Bailey, who I think is here. He said, Maria is like, she's like the leader of the Avengers. When you bring her in, it's like the superhero squad shows up. She's just incredible. So your people think that about you in a big way. So I'm curious as to how you think about building your teams, high performers, how you make your team adopt the mindset that you have so they're not concerned about failure and they have the freedom to go out and innovate and do, you know, do crazy innovative things and not without any fear. So thank you for asking that. So first of all, I work with an amazing team. I work with amazing professionals that are also amazing human beings. And that means a lot to me. So I want to work with people I really enjoy. Uh, and I look at someone, it's not just at work, it's the whole person. And I think what I'm trying to do, they are the judge to, to make, to tell if I, if I'm succeeding. But if you want to have a successful team, you have to trust the team. You have to trust the team because fact is, everyone I've ever met in my entire life is much better than they think. You all are. We all are. We're much better than we think. So for me, it's been more installing the opportunity to try. And not, everything is not going fantastic every time. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we learn, we get on it again, we embrace, you know, the, the learnings and we get better. But I think just to create an environment where my job is to stay out of their way. My job is to make sure that they do what they do so much better than I do and than anybody else. Because I really believe that everybody has superpowers and many times they're not even aware of it. So the culture, I think, is to create an environment where you dare to try. You have to fail. If you haven't failed, you haven't tried. And that's so easy to say, but sometimes it's said, but it's not really lived by. There are still repercussions if you fail. You can't. You have to try. If it doesn't work the first time, fine. Don't repeat it 10 times, then we have an issue. But I believe all that dare to think big so I've started, we have national meetings and corporate meetings, and I've started, I think, the last three years. It's a picture. I wish I would have it here. It's a little cat, and you may have seen it, but if you envision it's a cat, and the shadow on the wall is a lion. So this little cat is thinking of him or herself as a lion. And that's what I've been trying to do with Revision, because Revision was a pretty very fantastic, good, but small company a little while ago. <clears throat> and the first thing you need to think, and you are all business leaders, business owners, you run businesses, 
is don't let that limit yourself. It starts in your head. So we started thinking big before we were big. And that's back again to what you think about in your head. Instead of that pink elephant that we weren't supposed to think about, think about this lion and what does that mean? So I think it forced everybody to not look at what we do here now, but what we could be. So we spent a lot of time, I joined Revision four and a half years ago, and we looked at all the good things we had. They were amazing things. And then we said, what can we take and become? So we did this from to exercise. We are here, where can we get? We're here, where can we get? And we listed a lot of things, like a vision. We were thinking big. And then we started marching down that road. So I think creating that environment and getting the people that have the passion, that are courageous, and that just dare to believe and trust their own strengths, because I'm telling you, everybody, have, everybody has a lot of superpowers. I think that's the trick. It sounds simple, but it's actually something you can implement in real life. And for those of you who don't have a little boy at home, the Avengers are like the superhero squad, like the Hulk. So if that went over your head, just so you know. Um, but as I think about revision and, and sort of your job there, you guys are very science-focused. You do a tremendous amount of studies, the FDA research, all the things that you're doing. It's far and above what you're required to do. I know that you're passionate about that, as is your team. What was the decision when you sort of came to that point to say, we're going to do things differently, we're going to enrich the industry in a different way? Because that's sort of your innovation power. You do things very differently. So where did that come about? And how can we take that lesson into our own businesses and change how we think about our next steps? I think it's always try to do something better. You know, I, I believe every day, and it's all small steps, if you think you're going to you know, climb a mountain in one step, it's overwhelming and no one will do it. Uh, you need to break it down. But thinking that we're going to do something, some little thing better today than we did that yesterday, after 365 days or two years you're looking back, you come so far. So I think that was the way to approach things. So we incrementally increased what we did. And I believe as an industry, so my background, I worked a lot in pharmaceuticals. And um, pharmaceuticals have different legislation, different processes to develop and, and to register products. I'm not suggesting that we should do that in cosmetics or, or uh, in aesthetics in general, but I do think a mission or a vision and, and something I'm passionate about together with my team is to raise the bar for all of us. To raise the bar for all of us because I really believe aesthetic industry is important beyond what it's sometimes looked upon. Oh, it's just aesthetics. No, it's not. It's quality of life. It's how you feel about yourself. And it has so much more impact on people's lives than we sometimes remember. So I wa we wanted to add a little contribution to try for all of us to raise the bar. And I think that's something everybody can do in your practice. You know, what, what do we do today? How can we raise the bar tomorrow? And how can we actually expect more from ourselves, but also from our, our partners like us? Oh, I think you should expect more from us as well. You know, ask us about the science. Ask us about the proof. Don't just uh, look at words, but really dig into what's behind this, what is the rationale, what's the philosophy behind some formulations, where is the science to prove it? We can't just say it. We have to prove it. And I'm asking all of you to ask that question to us, and then we want to ask the same question to you. You know, how can we just all increase and elevate the bar, you know, raise the bar? I think that's, that's a mission.
That's the mission, and, and that's why Revision, again, as a company, we're trying to do that in our way, uh, in, in all different aspects, especially in clinical research and how we develop our products. We, we want to do something better than what we did last year or what we did 10 years ago. So, Well, and the proof is in the pudding because you guys have grown exponentially. I'm a big Revox line relaxer fan. I'm also I'm wearing my lip replenisher right now, which I love dearly. Uh, but as I think about your company, you've, you have grown significantly in very few, very few years, and scale is extraordinarily hard as a company. And you guys in med spas know this in, in clinics. Growing fast is hard, but you've done it beautifully. So how do you build infrastructure? How do you think about growth, the next steps, and prepare for today, to your point earlier, for today, what's going to happen in the next five years without it just wearing everyone around you totally out? I think there are three things when it comes to scale. If you want to keep a company, and I was on a board for a plastic surgeon group in, in Europe, so it had about 30 different locations, plastic surgeon locations, and the, the strategy was to expand. And we struggled. It was very difficult. We, we just got stuck. We couldn't expand beyond what we had. So we had to really look deep and hard, what are we doing wrong? And there was one thing that we missed completely, and that was the culture. And there wasn't a unified culture. And if you don't have one culture, strong values, and know what you stand for, it's impossible to scale. It sounds like scaling is all about resources, uh, processes, money. It's actually not. The most difficult in scaling is just to have that foundation with uh, a culture that everybody believes in and feel, because then it's easy to expand. When you don't have that co common denominator, it started to get very uh, spread out. One office looked very different from another. We didn't get the synergies. We didn't get the collaboration. It was very siloed, and it stopped our entire growth. So we had to go back to the drawing table, gather people across, very cross-functionally, very cross uh, from all the different venues, and really say, what are we about? What do we stand for? What do we want to do? How do we want to do it? And it wasn't until we had that alignment that we could actually expand, and now it's a much bigger, bigger business. Uh, but we, we skipped it. We invested in locations. We invested in people. We hired a lot of people. We hired lot, all the equipment you need, you know, the fantastic... Uh, uh, operation, um, operation rooms, but we missed that. And that was stopping the entire growth. So I think it's the culture. But then, of course, you need processes. You need processes. It sounds boring. I come from Sweden, and Sweden are like a process-oriented <laughs> country. We have companies like IKEA, H&M, you know, Volvo, all of these big companies that are so process-oriented to a point where I get frustrated sometimes because I want to move quickly. Also hard learning, you can move so fast, but if you move too fast and you don't have a few fundamental processes, it's going to start to derail. So, but don't overkill. No overkill, because that stops innovation, that stops creativity. So it's the balance. So the culture is the first thing. If you would ask me, if I come into a new company, what is the first thing? is really fine, what do we stand for? Why are we here? The mission. What are we trying to do? Because if we don't believe in it, it will be very difficult. And then you start to look at, okay, what are the resources we need? What are the processes? And even revision, it's not like suddenly one day we had a lot of money to invest. It's not how it works. You need to do it in steps. 
we couldn't just invest in a lot of things overnight. We had to make a small investment, make that work, make another small investment. So I think sometimes you think that it's all about money. I can't scale because I don't have the resources. Scaling too quickly is a recipe for failure. It has to be disciplined, it has to be controlled, and it has to be done stepwise. That's my view. So I think that's something we all can apply. Yeah, I think Break about hiring, you know, you're hiring people and onboarding time and just the time to get to market for things. It's, it's a lot of work to scale. It really is exhausting. And I think people, to your point, they pay their way forward without having the infrastructure in place to actually get there. But as we kind of turn the corner on that, I want to talk a little bit about you as a person as well, because you're also a mother, a working mother. As I look out in our crowd here, we have lots and lots of females who are working a lot. How do you balance that with what you're doing at Revision, your work family and your home family, and, and stay sane at the same time? That's a good question. I just told Tiffany before we went on stage, I was running to the ladies, and my son is calling. He's like, where are you? <laughs> well, I'm working. Oh, you are? He's 14. I just woke up. So sometimes um, there is some miscommunication, and the kids do wonder where I am, uh, even though they're getting bigger. I think even, I'm extraordinarily passionate about my job. Uh, I've always loved working. But we also sometimes need to just remind ourselves it's a job. It's a job. Uh, it's what we do, it's, we're spending a ton of time, but the one danger is if you don't find some kind of balance. And I would be lying if I said that I was doing everything I want in my life and that I have perfect work-life balance. I, I don't, but I have moments of balance and I need to find those things to just keep sane. And, and for me, the kids is, ev my children, they're, they're everything. Now they're getting older, they're 14 and soon 12. So. They're on this phase where they don't really need me, they think. They do, but they think they don't need me. Um, but I've always prioritized family and work, and then I had to let some other things go. I, I don't know the TV shows that people were watching. I had no idea what, it, what they talked about. Uh, I, I don't do have a lot of hobbies. I have some, but not as many. And it was a conscious choice. I, I made a decision to focus on these two things in my life. And... Um, it's, it's, you can, but you also need to share with your children why you work and why you're passionate and, and bring them in instead of feeling bad about it. So I, they can see that I love what I do and they're happy if, if I'm happy and, and the other way around. I want them to love what they do. But I've always included them in the business and what I'm doing and talking about it and show them that I'm actually doing this also because I love what I do. And I think they get it. But the work-life balance is the, it's a question. It's a question. And I have a husband, so I'm not a single mom, and, uh, and he's also extraordinary, extraordinarily helpful. So it wouldn't been, I don't think I could have done everything without some help, for sure. Yeah, I like the idea of giving yourself permission to give things away and to say, I can't do that. Like, I have no hobbies either. There's no time. But I feel really guilty about that, that everyone else is living their life and I'm not because I'm at work. But I also look at you and you've led companies and you've been the CEO of multiple things. You, it's like it's in your DNA. And as I look at that as a mom, accomplishing all that takes a lot of, I would say, a lot of courage. You said you're not courageous. I think it's very courageous. So if you think about like what's in your DNA and what makes you be able to balance your children and balance all these things, like what makes you different than everybody else? How can you be resilient and sustain when other people can't hang? I think it goes back to what I said uh, earlier. 
when I stopped being too hard on myself and perfection, it didn't work and just allowed myself to not excel everywhere. So when, when I got my kids, there were like this mom group. So you get together, you bring your babies and, and everybody was baking and, I, uh, you know, I, I went to 7-Eleven and, and bought my cinnamon buns and clearly it wasn't what you were supposed to do, but I was like, I just need to allow myself to not be great at everything, and I'm honestly perfectly fine with that. Because someone told me many years ago, this was a hard, harsh comment from um, a very dear friend, and he said, you're so hard on yourself, and you're holding yourself to standards, which is actually really arrogant. And it's like, what? How do you mean? He's like, well, if you do that, that me and you don't do it to others, it means that you think more of yourself. It's like, wow, it just, it was like a hit by lightning. I didn't see it that way and I was so hard, but it's like no one else around you likes that. And they wonder, should I do this? And it's like, no, why would they? You know, I would never think about that. So it's like, stop. And I was perhaps 22 or something when he told me that. And since that, I just stopped being hard on myself. I'm. I'm missing a lot of things. It's not perfect at home. There are things at work. I forget about things. My team is sitting over there. I'm always late to meetings. I'm horrible. You know, I just can't keep time. There are a lot of things that I don't do well. I think starting to accept that was the biggest insight and then instead focus on what is going well. We all have weaknesses. We all make mistakes, but I just stopped letting that be the driver. I'm not saying that I don't have bad days. I'm not saying that I don't have days when I'm beating myself up, but I, I think I've learned how to dwell on it for a while. I think that's needed. And we all have different methods. So I dwell on it. I may go have a drink or two with a friend, or I call someone an event for that long and then move on, move on. So I think what is it that makes me going? What is it that makes me uh, not, you know, beat myself up for things that can go wrong? I'm pretty, I, I, I'm pretty, uh, what do I say? I tolerate a lot of things with myself because I do with everybody else. So I'm, I'm kind to myself. And I think that's actually a good starting. So I'm trying. And sometimes I'm hard to myself and then I have amazing people. It's like, stop. But it's, um, it's a constant debate in my mind, and I've trained my brain, literally trained my brain, to not dwell on things too long and move on. And I think that's why I push my team, I push myself, that we all do that. Try. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, okay, let's figure, think about it for a little while, but not for, for too long, and then move on, move on. It's always move on. Do you hear that, guys? Be kind to yourself. I'm terrible at that. I actually know you are terrible. <laughs> I am terrible. You I need to be kinder to yourself. No, it, it sounds so silly, but it's so true. And I think to be successful, to do what we all do, it's demanding. You need to be a little bit kind, not to people around you, not only to people around you, but also to yourself. So I think kindness, uh, being humble, uh, get the right team around you. You're never better than your team. The team is everything. But also let them do what they can do in an amazing way because everybody has more potential than they think. That, that's where everything starts. Then, of course, you have a plan. It's not like things happen. You, you analyze. You look at what, what is happening in our business. Where is the industry going? What, 
our customers, what do they need? How can we help them succeed? That's where everything starts. How can we, at the end of the day, it's, there's a patient. How can that patient get more healthy and beautiful skin? It's not like we're sitting there and just being happy and fluffy and pink and, you know, uh, unicorn land. We absolutely have very clear plans. We, we try to execute on them. We do. We're very disciplined. And we sometimes fail. And then we sort of learn from it and, and get up. But I think it's much more of a mindset than most companies are talking about. I think it's easy to look at a plan and look at the resources and look at whatever IT system we have. All of that is needed, but I think it starts even before that. So, Well, to kind of piggyback on that, thinking about COVID, skincare became like the thing we all did because we couldn't do anything else, right? So skincare got really sexy really quick during COVID. And it's continued that same thing with RLR coming out. You guys have had, you know, exponential growth with that. What do you think is next? Like, what is the next thing for the industry? What is next for revision? Because I'm, you know, as you guys are innovating, it's like every day there's something new and exciting coming out from you. So give us the next five years. So if I start with the industry, I think... I think there's a paradigm shift that has happened the last one and a half year globally that is in all of our favor. I think companies are more, uh, consumers are much more interested today in health, self-care, in aesthetics, skincare. The Zoom effect is real. We've been sitting staring at ourselves. I think all of that has absolutely contributed to an inflow of patients and consumers into our industry. And I don't think they're going to go away. I don't think once you start getting really good treatment, see you, get the, get the benefit of seeing a professional, you just don't stop. It's very hard to stop. So I think that inflow, if I look at the macro level, is here to stay. I really believe we're going to continue to see all the forecasts I see for the industry in the next five years. It's like a straight arrow up. I, I think we're in the right place at the right time. If, it look, if we look at skincare or aesthetics, I believe the benefit of looking natural uh, is not going away. I think uh, individuals want to know more what's behind the science. Uh, your patients are demanding. They're very knowledgeable. They ask a lot of questions. I think that's another thing. We can't not provide excellent quality. And then when it comes to specific products or technologies, I, I think the combination of treatments and skincare and parrot is really the future. Um, I think it's this build a plan for the entire year, every day of the year. You go get your treatments. What do you do when you get home? And incorporate it more. I think that's, that's going to stay. If we look at the ingredients, there are so many exciting ingredients. I'm a big fan of peptides, bioavailable peptides that we use a lot. They're so impactful. That is absolutely continue to, to be there. We see more innovative uh, antioxidant molecules, a lot of things that are really making a change in the skin that is on the horizon uh, and that we and I assume many other companies are looking at as well. So I think we will just continue to see very, very efficacious products, efficacious skincare. Um, that is doing something with the skin. It's, it doesn't just feel good. It's actually doing something. So, again, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I think we're in the right place at the right time. 
I think what you said about customers is really true. Patients, they're getting smarter. They're asking more questions. They're thinking about science more often. So I think, you know, as a note to all of us, they're looking for this information. So for sure, ask your reps, get the information, and they come in and they offer you these things from different studies because I think it is a big part of it. But if you think about, you know, it's sort of revision perspective, you leading it, what's next for you guys in particular? Because I'm curious to think about where you're going to go because I'm sure it's going to be an exciting ride. So... I believe we, our aspiration is truly to be an anchor brand, and we have looked at what, what does a partner of us, uh, an aesthetic, aesthetic office, what do you need, and, and what can we provide? So we're looking at what, what we have. We're also looking at how we can drive the business in your practices. So that means what is the after-treatment uh, processes, what is the maintenance uh, skincare? What is the procedure pairing? So Revox Line Relaxer is a very good example that we designed to pair with neurotoxins. Uh, not to uh, replace, it's truly a complement. So I think how we think in revision is truly how can we add to your practice is something that at the end of the day is going to make your patients more uh, satisfied. You get more revenue at the end of the day. We also want to, we're in the business. And the where can we add those gaps? So we're looking at um, procedure pairing. We're looking at procedures uh, from a topical perspective. We're also looking into some areas where we, revision, don't feel we have uh, any, any presence today. And then we have the luxury of being vertically integrated. We have a fantastic R&D team. So we get all these new technologies, visibility in new technologies. So we have some proprietary technologies coming in here pretty soon as well. So I think... Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. But I, I believe we're taking a very holistic approach. And at the end of the day, it's always centered around the aesthetic office. What can we do to make your business more successful? And that's how we're thinking about the, the portfolio. So it's a little bit of everything. We have a very, very strong pipeline. So we actually have more products than we think we can launch, which is a problem in itself. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. We have about five minutes left. So do you guys have any questions for Maria that you'd like to ask? Anything out there? Inquiring minds want to know? I'll ask one then. Okay. If we're looking to grow up and be you, what do we leave here to, today and go do? Are there podcasts, books? Like, what are you reading? What are the things that you use to pour into you so that you're learning and growing and not just being the one teaching all of us? I actually, I have to admit that I, I read, but I don't read a lot of, I read a lot, but I don't read a lot of business books. That's not where I get inspired. I ask, I talk to people instead. I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. I didn't dare to ask when I was younger, and then one day I just started asking, what's your secret? What, what, what do you think? And I learned so much. Uh, I, we had dinner last night, I learned a, a ton of, of the, from the dinner attendees, and I think that curiosity is actually how I get inspired. I'm a very curious person and I ask a lot of questions and I learn from everybody every day, literally everybody every day. So I'm not, sometimes I'm, re, I'm listening to podcasts, uh, no, no in particular. I do read uh, articles, especially around leadership that I'm just fascinated by. But the best inspiration is everybody you meet on a daily basis. I've learned already a lot today and yesterday just being, being at this conference. So asking, asking, asking questions. What's your secret? And trust me, people will share. <laughs> they have to say, they, 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 let me tell you what I know. They want to share with you for sure. 
Well, as we wrap up here, um, we're about at the end of our time together. Any last things you want to share with us or thoughts you want to leave us with before you go? I really believe uh, we are all in an industry that I think is extraordinarily exciting and also think we have a lot of responsibility because there is a lot of wishes and aspirations for everybody we meet. They come to us for a reason. There is something they want us to do. So there is a lot of responsibility. And I, I think what excites me is to look at the science, the elevation of how we run our businesses, what you provide in the offices. I'm just, I feel fortunate that I, I am where we are. So I think the big takeaway from this conference would be how do we just challenge ourselves to continue this that we have started because we are in a growing industry that is doing fantastic because people want what we have. How can we make that even better? That would be my one ask to myself and to everybody. Like, continue to raise the bar because I think this is just an, an amazing place to be. But that's my, my final word. Like, continue to challenge ourselves. That's, that's what we need to do. Do better tomorrow than what we did today. Can you guys commit to that? Doing better? So I think about that every day. It's like, what do you do today? A little bit better, a little yeah, bit something. better every single day. It can be a tiny thing, but just one, one thing. Small progress leads to big, big change over time. So all of you inspire us at Revision. I, I know so many of your team, and you're all, to your point, very, very passionate. And you dive into your business, and you dive into all of us, too. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, guys, we will let you get on with our next part of our, our activity. But thank you for coming. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Record. This podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice. It's for entertainment, education, and information purposes only. For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and surviving in the aesthetics industry.